Hello, Oregon Realtors. Welcome to our first ever episode of Mindset Matters, Elevating Oregon Realtors. This is Jenny Pakula, your CEO. In this podcast, we'll be diving into the secrets of top performing agents, market trends, strategies, tips, and tricks that will transform and elevate your real estate business to new heights. So if you haven't already, Follow or subscribe today and stay tuned for a podcast that's not just about real estate. It's about mastering the mindset for success. Today, to kick off our first ever episode of In Our Mindset Matters podcast, we are fortunate to have your 2024 Oregon Realtors President, Ashley Fordham. Ashley hails right here from Salem, Oregon, and is a managing principal broker owner of Windermere Heritage here in town. Longtime agent, very successful. Her company ranks 28th out of 347 in the Willamette Valley Multiple Listing Service. She is a very active managing principal broker and has lots of great tips for all of you to help you succeed in your business. So today we're just, Ashley, before we get started into business, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get here? And when I say here, as not just into the real estate business, but as the Oregon Realtors president. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a loaded question. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm very excited that this is a new release uh, for our organization. I think that the intention of this idea is really to ensure that our brokers and members have access to incredibly timely and relevant business information. So this is exciting. Um, <clears throat> to answer your question, you know, uh, that's kind of, there's a lot of moving parts when you think about where you started and how you got into the industry. And I was fortunate enough to work alongside of a past president of Oregon Realtors, uh, Mr. John Baker, who identified something in me all those years ago. Let's see, I started in 2008. And he said, you know, I think you'd be really good at real estate. I'd like for you to go get your license. And I thought, ah, I don't really want to work on weekends. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. Uh, but I was, I was, you know, 19 at the time. Um, and so for me, I, I had no aspirations to do real estate, but I think he saw something in me that day that I didn't quite see in myself. And I think that's just like the very essence of leadership is identifying those incredible features of people that they haven't recognized as a strength yet. And so he really did that for me and kind of brought me alongside. And ultimately, here I am. So, so how long did you work for John? And John had a company, a local yeah. company here in town? Yeah, he had a, a local company. So he was a second generation realtor behind his parents. Um, and he owned and operated that company since the 70s. And I worked with him since from 2008. We did uh residential sales and property management um, until he sold the company in 2012 or 13, I think. And you were there the whole time? I was there the whole time. He and was an incredible mentor. I, I, I still to this is, day, isn't he? Yes. To this day, I'm so thankful that that was my start in real estate. That is just like unprecedented. So, so after he sold the company in 2012, mm -hmm. then where'd you go? Uh, so then I, what happened? <laughs> then what happened? Uh, I landed at a Windermere office where I was one of the top producers. I, I uh, learned some incredible systems and just ways to just level up my business. And then I was actually poached away to another company uh, where I managed a group of about 45 or so agents. <clears throat> and uh, I was a non-competing principal broker at that time. And I really loved that. Like the nuances of the business are so um, interesting, right? There's so many dynamics when it comes to the world of real estate. Um, so the business planning piece of it, helping other agents be successful within their own business, making sure that they had an advocate that was really like backing them up through whatever adversity they were facing. I loved that. But I very quickly realized that 
there were elements of that position that I didn't love all the way. <laughs> so I missed, like what? I missed my clients. You know, it's really hard to stay relevant when you're non-competing and not that you can't, but for me, so much of the joy that this industry has brought me is really being face-to-face -face with people. So are you saying to be, I mean, every managing principal, principal broker has a little bit different philosophy, but in, from your perspective, to be the best managing principal broker you can be, you need to be in the market selling and understanding what your agents for are going me, through. Yes. For me, that was, that was the crucial piece, but also it's never, right. It's never been about the money. It's always about the people. Yeah. And to not be face-to-face -face in the trenches with my people you know, because there's two separate sets there, right? You're you're in the trenches with your brokers, but you're also in the trenches with your clients getting deals done. I love that. I I, I miss the minutia of that. And so I didn't feel like I could be as well-rounded or as well-versed if I wasn't doing both things. So I said, yeah. okay, if I could design the most perfect career for myself, I would be able to list and sell properties and work with my people but also help my agents build a book of business that weathers any storm. So that's when I approached my husband, Ryan, who you know very well, and said, we need to open a company. Like, were you colleagues? Were you peers or were you managing him? I was managing him. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun dynamic. And I was also managing my mother-in-law. So go oh, figure. Boy. Yeah. And you're still happily married. Still happily married. <clears throat> yes, it's worked out well. Um, but, you know, <coughs> I decided that I needed to, to pursue opening our own company. And he was, he was willing to partake in that venture with me. And, and how long ago was that? Two years. It'll be three in April. So prior to opening your own company, you work for another, you work for Windermere, you just opened a Windermere branch? Yes. <clears throat> so just opened Windermere Heritage just over two years ago. I've had incredible mentors all the way through. Um, the, the company that I worked for previously, uh, the gentleman was an incredible, incredible business owner and operator. And I knew that in order for me to run a successful brokerage, I needed to learn all the nuances behind owning and operating a brokerage. So part of my strategy was to learn from the best in the industry and go, go learn under him and understand what it means to sort of translate into that part of the business. So I think so often that's that's the biggest piece that's missing when someone decides to open a company. <coughs> so I wanted to set us up for success by really surrounding myself with the best and brightest. And I feel like I was very fortunate to find that. So you opened your Windermere Heritage branch here in Salem two years ago. Uh -huh. And what percentage of your business is managing versus selling? <laughs> I would say that my brokers are, for the most part, very seasoned. So a lot of the quote unquote managing that I do is really centered around mindset and um, business procurement and business planning and really making sure that they are, they are well articulate in the nuances of our business, right? Yeah. So while I have assistance, I have another um, managing principal broker that works alongside me. I would say that it's probably a 50-50 ratio. So your, your role primarily, in addition to your own business, as far as managing, mm -hmm. is coaching up your agents 100%. to be the best they can be. Yes. Which I know we haven't even gotten into your volunteer leadership journey, but based on coaching up, it lead, let's talk about how that's impacting business today. 
and the importance of coaching up your agents. Yeah. You supervise 20 brokers? 21. 21 brokers. What are you doing to keep them motivated? How are you how are you helping them stay, keep their head head up, face forward? Yep. Staying motivated in this uncertain market, interest rates, low inventory, all the oh, a mess. weird uncertainty. Right. That's a great question. So, you know, every Tuesday we do our heritage hustle and sometimes that revolves just around mindset. I think like being part of a company and being a leader is recognizing when your agents need something different from you, right? It, I can't always talk at them. I also need to be listening to what it is that they need. Um, so sometimes it's just, hey how are you guys doing? Like checking in on their mental health. If I haven't seen somebody in a minute, I'm texting them. I'm like, where are you at? What are you doing? Uh, But the other part of that that's really crucial is making sure that they are staying relevant. So part of what's been so impactful to me uh, through this volunteer leadership position is that I understand the nuances of the industry probably better than most people do. And that's been a huge key leverage point for my agents to tap into and really be able to be in the trenches at that higher level so that when those difficult conversations come about, about commissions and and whatnot, they are prepared. They're prepared. Um, You know, whether it's forms and which type of forms products they're using, whether it's um, sustainability, whether it's really dissecting their their business plan and saying, how can I show up in a way that I haven't had to before? Uh, That's that's the stuff that I like just practically love. I I just love getting in the trenches with them and saying, "Okay, like, let's let's poke holes. (laughs) Let's poke holes in your theory and figure out how we can do it better. So what what are you hearing from your agents? What do they need right now? So there's a couple things that I like to remind them. When we talk about the top performers in the world, you know, there are really five characteristics that they should be trying to pursue, just not only in their business, but in their personal life, right? The first is remarkable boldness. I think this industry is absolutely going to require that in the future. You've got to be bold and you've got to pursue your passions unapologetically and just be really authentic and clear on who you are as a person and what value you bring to the table. The second thing is just that intrinsic motivation, right? It's I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make them drink. And so really finding out their whys and developing and building upon that and making sure that they are fostering the things that are important to them by way of doing business. Connection, um, you know, the culture of my company is is really important because I think now more than ever, as we are still kind of phasing out of that COVID era, people want to feel connection. They want to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, and that's really crucial to who you surround yourself with matters. So, what does that mean? Connection, connection. from a business perspective, and <clears throat> obviously, as a managing principal, broker, owner, you want your agents to be successful, right? financially. But but what else does connection mean? Connection, Not just with them and their clients, but you and your agents, agent yeah. to agent. Connection, I think I think there's multiple facets of it, right? Connection is 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 being able to pick up the phone and saying, you know what, I'm having an off day. I I need you to, to what should I do? Right? Getting really clear on my purpose and revisiting that. But connection also looks like connecting with your your clients, right? They're also feeling that adversity that's happening in the industry as, you know, tumultuous rates are impacting their ability to buy or sell, 
they need to hear from you too. So I think all the way around this industry is just connecting, right? In, in multiple facets, in multiple ways, um, and making sure that you have a group of individuals that really want to participate and see each other do well and be successful. And it's sort of that like watering hole community idea to say, hey, I've got your back. You know, you're going on vacation and I'm happy to step in and, and cover for you while you're gone. So connection is a, is a big piece of that. So what is the biggest concern that you're hearing from your agents market-wise? Hold on. Let me finish the last two. So grit and resilience, right? I always tell my brokers two things. It's grit that builds the pearl and pressure that makes the diamond. And so sometimes when you're in the midst of just the most adversity you've ever experienced, the best things come out of it, which I know we're going to kind of talk about what's happening in the industry. And that's a really good indicator. And then the last thing, which I think is so incredibly crucial, is to see something through to its conclusion and know that, okay, this is going to be a bumpy process. It's going to be a bumpy road. But, you know, we're we're paid on this idea of getting results, right? And we're paid to get people to the finish line of the biggest investment of their life, whether that's commercial or residential. So this ability to be tenacious and play by the rules, but be ferocious, as Phil Knight once said, it's it's part of that top performer mindset. So really reminding people that, okay, you're here to do a job. Sometimes it's going to be hard, but life's tough. Get a helmet. Never ring the bell. Never ring the bell. Punch the sharks in the nose. Yeah. 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 Well, so what, what, what is the biggest issue your agents are facing market wise when they come to you and say, Ashley, help. Interest rates are too high. There's no inventory. Process. They don't have a process. Um, making sure that they're consistent, whatever that's going to be, right? People are always going to have to buy and sell. Um, but the way that we do business hasn't really changed, right? The whys are still the same. People want to work with people that they know, like, and trust. And in the face of things that are challenging, I find that oftentimes people have this incredible, like, uncomfortability. And so that creates stagnation. And rather than just following through with their process and setting up their systems and being consistent, they just stop. So a lot of what I've been having to tell people is just, just go do it. Go do something. Show up. Do the hard work. Oftentimes the magic is in the work that you are putting off. <laughs> it's, it's just getting out there, being consistent, being relevant. Even just to pick up the phone and call your clients and say, hey, interest rates are crazy. Let's have a conversation about what that looks like for you. Good thing you don't have to buy or sell right now, but I'll be here when you're ready. So it's telling your agents, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the more you do something, you're going to get comfortable right. and I'll have to find something new to get uncomfortable right. with. Otherwise you get stagnant. Stagnant. Yeah. That's like the worst place you could be. Yeah. Stagnation. Well, given the uncertainty mm -hmm. with everything happening with the industry, mm -hmm. not just market conditions, there's no time like the present to get uncomfortable mm -hmm. or get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you're having that conversation yeah. with your agents, yeah. both in your company and outside your company as president of the association. You yeah. talk with agents yeah. from all over the state, mm -hmm. different companies. What would you tell them? How, how do you tell them to navigate all these uncertainties right now? <laughs> Right now. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story about Michael Phelps. Um, for those of you that don't know, my son is a competitive swimmer. He's nine um, and he's just really impressive, but uh, I'm not here to brag about him. Uh, maybe a little bit. But you got it in. <laughs> got it in. Good work. Um, but one of the things that fascinates me about Michael Phelps just in general is his ability to train under the worst adverse conditions. So back in 2008 in Beijing, he competed in a 200 meter butterfly. 
And 75 meters into that race, his goggles fogged up. And rather than looking at that situation and going, oh no, <laughs> it's hit the fan, right? He had trained in that circumstance before and he reverted back to the basics. He knew how many strokes it was gonna take him to finish out the remaining 175 meters of that race. And what's incredible about that is he just focused on his technique. It's the technique under fatigue, right? What business practices have you set in place that you can revert back to in any instance, in any moment, and know that it's going to get you through whatever adverse situation you're in? And what's incredible about that race is that not only was he blind for 175 meters, he took the gold and set a world record. There's a lot to be said for that. There's Back to mindset matters. Mindset matters. Yeah. And, and training under the idea that adverse situations create the greatest opportunities. So, you know, when people sit there and say, oh, there's this and oh, there's that. Yep, there sure is. But having the ability to be gritty and say, I'm going to dissect my entire book of business and I'm going to go, where can I show up differently? Because the value that we communicate is crucial in this particular moment in time. Our consumers need to hear from us more than they ever have. And I'm fascinated and excited by this ability to, to really level up the, the professionalism and to start executing on buyer representation agreements and to start communicating more clearly and effectively on both sides of the aisle how I work and how I expect to be compensated. So when people get intimidated by the things that are changing in our industry, we are literally in the business of change. We help people facilitate through change every single day. So this idea that we can't handle any change that's coming our way is sort of comical to me because that's literally our business. Right. So people just get comfortable. Just You're get comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. What you know. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the buyer broker agreements. Mm -hmm. Do you have your agents, do your brokers, do you advocate using them yes. in your company? Yes. Yes. I always, uh, I always laugh because I, I, agents, I'm sorry. I know you, I know I'm a nagurator, but you'll thank me in the end, right? It's a really good word, nagurator. Nagurator, yeah. Um, they, you know, and they love to hate it at the same time, but they know that I've got their best interest at heart and they know that there's a higher level of nuance required to survive this season. So, you know, I've really tried to get them to see the perspective of just this vast amount of opportunity and they're really not shy about it. They're like, oh, wow, that really wasn't that hard. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's so, so are you doing trainings, company training? What are you doing to promote it? How are you getting your agents? ready to use it if they aren't already yeah. using it. Yeah. We've had lots of conversations about it, right? We, we sit down, we have um, like scripting examples of, of how would you go about it, uh, really articulating your five points of value or whatever number it's going to be. Um, it's, I think it's just learning to communicate with your consumers and your clients about what it means to be represented and what benefits come with that. And then creating that perception of professionalism. I mean, you and I've talked about this before, but you know, when you engage in legal services or pro professional financial advice, you don't get anything from those professionals until you've signed an engagement letter. This buyer representation agreement is no different. It's it's setting up a standard of success to say clearly consumers want choice and they want to have clarity, and that's exactly what this this conversation does is it, it allows them to understand the nuances of 
of the transaction that you're going to help them through, but also explains to them, you don't work for free. You're, you're in a business, you're running a business and you expect to be paid for the professional services that you provide. So what is the, and I know it's different based on every potential buyer and agent practice, but what is your practice? Buyer calls you, hey, Ashley, I see you're listing on 123 Main Street, or I saw your company listed and I need an agent to help me look at this house. What, what do you do? Well, Someone calls it. Well, practically speaking, I have a high risk tolerance. So I don't, I don't meet, uh, I have the fortunate uh, aspect that most of my business is repeat referral, right? Okay. I, I've, I've been in the business long enough that right. that's pretty much standard. But if but someone let's calls just me, assume. okay. But if someone calls me and says I want to see one, two, three Main Street, I, my business practice is to get them in the office. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna step foot out of my company door unless I have met you in person in a space that I own. How do you advise newer agents <clears throat> that may not have the practice and clientele built up that you do from years in yeah. business? So they're much more eager, but mm -hmm. they should be equally as cautious and protective of their business as you are. So this is like a really negative space, but I always remind my agents, it's no amount of commission or fees is worth your life. And all too often, when you don't have a standard of practice that you can fall back into, which is, again, why I was talking about why it's so important to have systems and processes in place, you set yourself up for potential liability. And I think consumers need to understand that we don't jump without the commitment. We don't jump without having the opportunity to talk to you about our process and what we expect of you as a buyer. Um, so I, I know that that is a tough narrative for a lot of people to wrap their minds around, but I don't want to end up in a freezer. So, so, so coming into my company, into my office and sitting down with me and I explain how the process works and verify that you're willing to work with me and make that commitment. Um, maybe we go and see a house before you sign that representation agreement, but I want them to know that the value that I provide is is bar none impactful, and they well, which need is me. exactly what you do on the selling side. Right. Just it's just a little tweak in habits. Right, what agents have gotten used to on the buyer side. Yeah, and quite frankly, if someone's not willing to meet me, then yeah. that tells me everything I need to know. I don't need every listing. I don't need every buyer opportunity, um, nor do I want them. I, I want to work with the people who want to work with me and are willing to invest in their success as much as I am. Yeah. And so setting that standard and that practice is crucial because we only jump at their instruction and their, you know, we do have the duty of loyalty and obedience, but that's only after you've made them a client. So it's, we need to get brokers to a place of comfort in articulating their value mm -hmm. and selling their professional services the same way you do on the selling side mm -hmm. and be willing to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. What is that quote you have that you said? The success of your business is not who you do business with. It's who you don't do business with. 100%. It's true. And, and I think that getting very, very clear on what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do is so powerful. I mean, how many times, I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a, a situation and especially with the buyer side of things, I'm interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me because I want to make sure that they are invested in the process and that they're going to trust me. And obviously I'm doing the best I can to build that confidence in my skill set and my ability to get them to the finish line. But if I sense any sort of hesitation or friction, I will absolutely refer them to someone else yeah. because it's not worth my time trying to battle them when they're not going to listen anyway. 
So can you talk a little bit about what you do on the buyer side to articulate your value? How do you sell Ashley Fordham to client A? Yeah, I would I love potential to. client, buyer client A. <laughs> um so uh obviously when you're sitting down with them, you have like a process, you explain the kind of the market and and just the nuances of forms and and what they can expect and the types of transactions. Um, but when you get right down to it and you're asking them to make a commitment to you to work together, right? You're you're basically entering into a contract, you know. One of the things we talk about is is my five point five proven points of value. And they really are, hey, you know what? You're represented, which means a whole nother slew of things, right? So that's a great opportunity to talk about agency. I think a lot of the confusion in our industry right now is that agency does not equal compensation. And so there's a real distinction that needs to happen there about, you know, the three uh, duties that you owe to everyone in a transaction versus the seven affirmative duties you get when you're in an agency relationship. And that representation piece just gives you that ability to firm up the commitment between you and the buyer. Um, just like you do with the listing, right? So the, the representation piece um, that you don't miss out, right? Um, so through a process of elimination, I'm going to help them through through that elimination process to say, okay, I am the worst case scenario. So while you're going to be looking at where you could put your sofa and what color you're going to paint the walls, I am really leaning into my expertise and experience to say, hey, this property could be in a flood zone. Let's 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 have your lender verify that and see if that could be a problem, right? I I don't ever want people to get through a transaction to a space where they're, you know, they couldn't have purchased it in the first place. It wasn't, wasn't a good investment. Um, There's a lot of costly mistakes that if you don't have quality representation, you'll be sorry. Right. And you've already closed. Well, and ultimately it's their decision, right? You you know, you can advise them six ways from Sunday, but it's the fact that you've taken the time to let them know. And point them to the place to find additional information. Right. Permitting, zoning, so forth. Be the source of the source. Yeah. <laughs> Disclose, discuss, let your client decide and document. Be the resource for the source. Yes. Source for the resource. Whatever. We got it. You got it. Yeah. Um, also that they are not going to pay too much, right? So really articulating um, where that property falls within the market, right? Doing a comprehensive uh, market analysis for your buyers to say, yeah, I feel good about that price, right? I would always say no regret. No regret you paid too much and you hate the house, you hate the process and you don't like me. Or no regret you didn't pay enough. And it was the one and you missed out on it, right? Only they can decide that with the information that you give them. Yeah. And then obviously negotiation. <coughs> so much of what we do is is negotiating on their behalf, right? That duty of loyalty and obedience um, and making sure that they have all of the options in front of them and then they get to decide. And then of course, just managing the transaction, which in and of itself, there's so many contingencies yeah. and timelines that happen. I mean, if you're a full-time professional, there's no way you're going to be able to manage that on your own. So, Because I think that's a really important part of articulating your value as a buyer's agent. Yeah, there are lots of places to find homes online well, for buyer's own, a lot of portals, a lot of yeah. websites. That's and the quite easy frankly, part. It's not my job to find your house, right? Some people say, well, it's, my, it's your job to find it. No, my job is to walk you through that transaction. You're going to know what kind of house you like. I'm, I'm going to learn your style. I'm going to know what you're, what you're kind of after. But my job is so much more than just finding the house. What you're paying me for is the experience and the expertise that I'm going to bring to the table that make you successful yeah. through that process. And that's the real distinction, I think, that in these lawsuits specifically, like, well, they didn't help me find the house. Well, course not. <laughs> that's that's, only, that's only such a small part of the nuance of a life cycle of a transaction that it's sort of comical. Well, there's so much industry myth and industry practice 
that needs to change, mm-hmm. even though the ability to do it that way has always been there. Right. But sometimes right. habits are hard to break. It's true. Right? Yeah. So have you always used the buyer no. broker agreement? So this is new to your practice, This is too. new. No. I mean, and I think like... You know, you look at the standard of practice for our state just in general, you'll find that most people haven't used a buyer representation agreement, although you've heard, you know, some people kind of like discuss them. Um, But in full transparency, that had never been a business practice of mine. But now that I now that I understand and I recognize the importance of them, you you better bet I do it all the time. So when you have agents, including your own, say, why are we doing this? We've done it this way for years, Ashley. Why do we need to start using buyer broker agreements now? What's your <laughs> Cliff Notes version? Oh, Cliff Notes response. version. Do or die. That's that's literally the Cliff Notes version. I think anytime there's adversity in industry, I think back to like Toys R Us, for example, right? They completely shut down, went bankrupt because they could not change. They would not change. They couldn't keep up with the competition. And clients are asking for choice and clarity and you've got to give it to them because there is no industry without clients right so when we talk about implementing these new business practices in our business it really does come down to do or die it's going to require a higher level of professionalism and communication and to really speak so clearly we cannot be misunderstood and what everybody advocates for is going to be different, right? Everyone's going to have their own set of bananas that they're going to charge. It's not about the bananas. It's about the clarity of the value that you bring to the table and how the bananas get broken up. Really, is as simple as that. Ashley, you had previously referenced choice. Consumers have a right to choice and clarity. Can you elaborate yeah. on what you mean by choice? Good question. Uh, what I mean by choice is, so let's say that I walk into a listing consultation and we've already agreed to work together and we are having the conversation on compensation and I've outlined what I expect my professional service fee to be. And then I say to the seller, okay, what, if anything, would you like to offer a buyer side that comes to the table with an offer that's from a buyer that's ready, willing, and able to purchase the property. Should we role play? Sure. Ashley, why should I pay for the buyer's agent? I'm paying you. That's a great question. You're obviously paying me to go through the process of marketing your property, to represent your best interest, to ensure that you get the best deal possible in the marketplace. When we talk about uh, offering compensation to a buyer, I think one of the first things we need to do is realize that that is a negotiation point, right? So whether or not you choose, agent, you yeah, whether or not you choose to offer something to the buyer's agent right now does not negate their ability to ask for it, right? Because nine times out of ten, a buyer's agent is going to come to the table with a representation agreement that outlines what they will get paid. So I think what's important when we're considering considering this conversation is to look at the marketplace and know what is your competition doing so that we're prepared for that conversation if and when we get to that table and they ask for it. So certainly you don't have to provide it, but let's talk about some of the ways that might be in your best interest to provide it, right? And you know, I think back to some of the conversations we had when all of a sudden buyers were asking for closing costs and you know, I would tell my sellers that the quickest way to negate a buyer's ability to purchase your property is to not offer something towards their closing costs because nine times out of 10, they need it. 
So, you know, it's the same conversation with a buyer representation fee. So, you know, uh, uh, I think the nuances of the buyer side of it too is, is really interesting in that, you know, without the representation agreements, we have allowed listing agents to determine what our value is. And that like framing it up that way really changed my narrative within my own practice to say, yeah, I get that because I've just, I've, the expectation has been that the co-op would determine my value in a transaction and the representation that I bring. So when I have a broker service agreement, it does allow me to enter into negotiations because there's clarity and transparency with my client. They know how much I'm going to get paid by way of a successful transaction. So really kind of like reversing that from both sides and saying, okay, seller, you don't have an obligation to pay a buyer, but here's maybe why you should think about it. And from a buyer side, you're not allowing the listing agent and the seller to determine what you're worth in a transaction because you've already set up that narrative with your with your buyer. So, <clears throat> excuse me, how are you helping your agents on the buyer side when they come to you with the inevitable question? Ashley, how am I going to get paid? If the seller says no, they're not going to pay and I have a buyer representation agreement, even though my client agrees, they don't have the money. I, I Maybe I can get a certain percentage from the seller, but it doesn't it, it doesn't yeah. cover our agreement. How do I get paid, Ashley? Oh, what if the buyer can't do it? Yeah. What are what are some solutions there? Okay, so some solutions there, obviously, you know, you as a business practitioner get to decide what you're willing to accept. So, you know, it, just because your service agreement says X and the seller's paying you this many bananas doesn't necessarily mean that you still won't facilitate a transaction. I, there's a lot to be said if there's a difference in the co-oping and you know that your buyers are maybe their first time home buyers and they're really strapped. And you know what? It's not about for a lot of people, it's not about the money. And while we do have to run profitable businesses, there's something to be said about humans over homes. And the ability to say, I'm willing to accept this, but here's 10 business cards. Tell all your friends that I'm here and I'm your advocate. So it's a business decision. It's a business decision. Yeah. And that doesn't negate your right to ask the seller to compensate you. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that the buyer can't make it up. You just have to decide what you're willing to tolerate, what you're willing to accept and, and move forward in the best interest possible. So how did we get here? really promoting what what happened in the industry that has led us to the greater need to use buyer broker agreements and our which we've always should have articulated our value on the buyer side but it's more important now than ever you're full of loaded questions today <clears throat> um i think realtors have done a poor job of communicating how we get paid to be quite frank with you um you know I also think that we've just assumed that it's always going to be that way, you know, that we're just going to get paid from the, by way of the buyer bringing the transaction and closing and the co-op, the co-op, right. Um, when really it, our opportunity to level up that professionalism and really, uh, be frank about how we're compensated and what our value propositions are, we miss the mark if I'm being really frank with you. So and here we are and it's a new opportunity and that's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. It's an yeah. opportunity for the industry, for our Oregon realtors mm -hmm. to level up, right? Yeah, and I'm excited about that to be quite frank with you. I, I think that in any time of adversity, you can poke holes in the theories and go, how literally, how can I dissect my business and do it better? 
And I think that that's what our consumers consumers are asking of us. They're saying, I want, I want the best possible representation. And not to say that we all haven't been doing that, but I think that the the clarity and the professionalism and the way that we show up for our clients is really finite in this moment. So as president, incoming president for the Oregon Realtors, is there any initiatives happening in 2024 that might help our agents, our our members level up? Yes. Uh, Mandatory buyer representation agreement legislation is coming in 2024. And what's exciting about that is that this is something that we've been talking about long before the results of this initial lawsuit came out. Um, So we've been working very diligently to come up with legislation that is impactful and will work to level the playing field. So you're not going to go to company X and then, you know, go down the street to company Y and one's using the representation agreement. The other one is not. It will be legislatively mandated. So in, in, from my perspective, that helps navigate this change a little easier. Mm-hmm. If everyone has to do it, then everyone has to do it. So learn how to do it. Right. And the fear, the original fear of, oh, then I'm not going to work with you. I'm going down the street. Go, yeah. go. Yeah. But you're going to be faced with the same. Have you ever word. heard that quote? It's uh, fear is a mile wide and an inch deep. No, but I've heard fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> no, I mean, I think like, you know, you can let that, let that uh, change of, of, of process scare you and intimidate you, but uh, why? Yeah. You're too great. It's, and it's not going to change what you need to do right. to level up. Right. So again, back to this is a great opportunity for Oregon Realtors mm-hmm. to get ahead of any potential issues right. that the industry across the country is facing yeah. that haven't hit well, home I th- yet. I think to your point, I, what's also really crucial that I think a lot of people have missed from those lawsuits is that none of the plaintiffs were unsatisfied with the services that they received. From you said broker. those, you referenced those lawsuits. Give oh. a quick Quick law of a, a quick summary of what summary. those lawsuits you're referencing are. Uh, for those listeners who might not be aware. Okay. Well, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Remax and Anywhere settled out of a um, uh, litigation against NAR, Berkshire Hathaway, and Keller Williams. Um, so recently there was uh, the class action class lawsuit, action lawsuit in, Missouri. in Missouri uh, that we were found guilty of conspiracy for inflating. Liable. Oh, sorry. I don't use guilty. That's criminal. Oh, liable for conspiracy. (laughs) No, it's from the attorney in the room. Uh, Conspiracy to inflated commissions. And um, that's a very interesting dynamic. And obviously the damages are pretty substantial. And I'm sure that will warrant an entirely different podcast topic. But, you know, I think what's what's relevant is that, you know, NAR is working diligently to appeal the process of, of the verdict. You know, we had two and a half hours of, of jury briefing and they, they came... deliberated for only two hours. Yeah. On a very complex. Yeah. Antitrust case. And, yeah. and really what that tells me is that consumers don't understand our industry. They don't understand how we get paid and they don't understand that commissions are negotiable. And we've not done a great job of communicating that. 
Where can our members find more information to find better ways to Mm -hmm. articulate their value and learn more about the recent lawsuit and next steps for NAR? So there's two websites that are just chock full of really good resources. The first is thedifference.realtor. And um, I love that website because it talks about what does it mean to be a realtor? What, what's the level of professionalism that's expected from you when you are a part of our membership? Um, code of ethics, that kind of thing. Uh, the other is competition.realtor. And that's also full of really incredible resources. So there's 179 ways that real estate agents are worth every penny of their compensation. Then there's 105 more ways that real estate agents are worth every penny of their compensation. Uh, We also have um, MLS co-oping. We also have uh, economics of a home sale. And then if you need those resources, Oregon Realtors has created a landing page uh, that you can access for that same relevant information and just some of the lawsuit updates and kind of where we're at. So we are, I know we're working very diligently. The team is, is making sure that you have access to as much information as possible. The bottom line is there's so much information out there and resources available from the Oregon Realtors and the National Realtors and your local board that to put together a package articulating your value should not be easy difficult. Easy Really easy. Yeah. And you know what? The beautiful thing about our industry is that what, what my process and value is going to be is different than from what yours could have been because yes. we're all so different and the perspectives that we bring are unique. And so that's just a great starting place to, for you to really dig in and go, okay, that, that resonates with me or no, that doesn't so much. So. And you got to find your own niche and your right. own style, which is why on the listing side, sellers interview two or three agents yeah. sometimes, and you're all bringing different skills and Better strengths bring to the game. table. Yeah. Yep. No, you're just doing the same thing on the buyer side. Yep. It's really no different. So practically speaking, you know, use buyer representation agreements, be professional, um, be clear and concise, uh, explain very clearly how you get paid and what that looks like. And, you know, make sure that you are showing up, giving 100% to the investment of your client's success. And you're going to be fine. Great. Easy peasy. See? Piece of cake. And the websites that Ashley referenced, competition.realtor and the difference.realtor, in addition to lot the 179 ways, there's tons of infographics you can use in your presentations. It's all there. You can brand it with your company, your personal brand. Use it. That's why it's there. Mm-hmm. Just start getting used to it. Get get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yep. It's like I've said to Ashley, it reminds me of zip lining. God, you stand on the edge and you look and you're like, I am not doing this. Die. This is so stupid. <laughs> and the minute you step off the ledge, it is so much fun. You're like, why didn't I do this sooner? I don't know. you're scared of heights. <laughs> same with using fire broker agreements. Just do it. Just practice, do it. practice, practice. Difficulty Easy. is what wakes up the genius, right? Like that's Ooh, yeah. profound. Yeah. Ooh, difficulty wakes up the genius. Yeah. Get after it. Yep. All right. Well, Ashley, we're really looking forward to a great year ahead with you you as president of the Oregon Realtors and with all of the industry changes. And we will be there. The Oregon Realtors will be there for our members and we will continue to highlight resources and develop resources and deliver resources. If you go to our website, OregonRealtors.org, and we have weekly newsletters, biweekly newsletters, monthly newsletters. There's so much information. There's, just you got to read it. There's no way you're not going to hear from us. So I'm I'm incredibly excited to serve. And thank you, Ashley. Any last parting closing words of encouragement for our members and listeners? Mm, just get after it. Go do it. Go make it happen. It's like this 
this is just such an incredible opportunity. I wish people would turn that negative narrative into something positive because this is just, this is like one of those special finite moments. So go make it happen. And you're going to have to to survive. Yeah. Right. Yep. Do or die. Yeah. Do or die. You've got this. We've got your back and we look forward to helping you listeners. And Ashley, thank you for everything. Yeah. Thanks, Jenny.